Hi everyone, I'm Joya Owls. I'm Catherine Lancaster. And on this Anchor podcast, we'll be talking about poetry, specifically the famous poet Maya Angelou. We'll be analyzing one of her poems and her life. And we chose this poet specifically because Maya Angelou, well, she's very well known, and she's one of those names that you hear from a young age, but I feel like I wanted to learn more about her. I know she was a famous poet and a writer, but I wanted to learn more about her backstory, her history, and her life. So Maya Angelou was born April 4th, 1928, and she was from Louisiana. Uh, Oh, I'll restart that. All right, so Maya Angelou was born April 4th, 1928, and she lived in St. Louis, Missouri. But she was, her parents were a child of divorce, which I thought was extremely sad, and it was such a big impact. That's why she ended up moving in with her grandma, and she moved to Arkansas, where she experienced even more racism and discriminational prejudice because of her race. It was a more racist society. So there, her mom's mother, actually, her mom's boyfriend raped her at the age of eight, which traumatized her so much that she didn't speak for five years. Um, The only person she told, or the first person she told, was her uncle. And in doing so, her uncle ended up killing the boyfriend. And she felt so responsible for the death of him that she, quote, I thought my voice killed him. So that's what led her to not speaking for five years. And also the family refused to speak about what had happened to her or the situation. And I think that lack of support system from her family ever wanting to discuss it um, really impacted how long she stayed mute for. I feel if her family had talked to her and tried to get her help or just even comforted her in some way instead of completely ignoring it, maybe she wouldn't have been mute for those five years and she would have gotten the support that she needed. So when she was 12 and a half and she was in elementary school, she um, she read authors like Langston Hughes, W.E.B. Du Bois. Paul Lawrence Dunbar, William Shakespeare, Charles Dickens, and Edgar Allan Poe. And that's when she first really started to, like, get introduced to just literature and poetry. And um, her teacher, Bertha Flores, who's, um, she was also a black woman, she got her to first start speaking again after her five years. And um, Maya Angelou actually talked about her in one of her children's books, titled Mrs. Flowers, A Moment of Friendship. And she really just emphasized the importance of the spoken word and instilled a love of poetry inside of her. And that's really just what started getting her to write and find a love for it. Yeah, I greatly agree. I think Bertha Flowers was, if not, I think it was, she was the most influential in her Yeah, I agree. In her impact and the effect. I think Maya, at this point, when she had met Bertha Flowers, she was still mute and she still hadn't spoken in years. And her teacher took such an interest in her. She provided her with books and encouraged her to read. And eventually she encouraged her to start speaking again. And I think her encouragement provided a lot of support that she wasn't necessarily getting from her family. And she actually, that her challenge to read poetry is how she first started speaking again and gradually. And 
her teacher tried to, at first when her teacher tried to convince her to maybe start speaking again, she was hesitant and she completely dismissed the idea, but her teacher said, you do not love poetry until you speak it. And finally, when she was 13, she started reading poetry out loud and that's when she decided to speak again. I also, I think she was also influenced a lot by um, Dr. Martin Luther King and Malcolm X. She heard them speak and it really got her interested in the civil rights movement and she became an activist and she really started writing about race and just oppression and all of those other things that she just experienced through growing up. Yeah, I think historically one of her biggest impacts was that she was alive during the civil rights movement and obviously that that's a big influence like well known through the civil rights movement is the name Martin Luther King and she had met him when she was in Harlem she was meeting with a ton of different civil rights writers in Harlem and that's where she came into contact with Martin Luther King and she specifically heard him speaking in a church and she was so inspired by him that she became more involved and she became the northern coordinator for the Southern Christian Leadership Conference where she raised a ton of money for support of the movement and she was very successful at that and I think that was one of her greatest impacts and just the decade and how she was influenced in her writing. So a big theme of her poem, like a thematic topic I thought throughout all of her poems that are very consistent are empowerment and oppression. So for oppression, she doesn't just talk significantly about race, she talks about gender and your own personal struggle and how to overcome that. Uh, Through gender and specifically phenomenal woman, she talks about self-love and self-importance of a woman and it's more than just society's outlook on beauty and it just being um, just being the outer beauty what she really talks about is her her inner beauty and how that's what should matter and I thought that was really empowering because she's she's going against at least in this time period the social norms of what women are expected to be from society and I thought a lot of it had to do with race where um, specifically in her poem caged birds she discusses the difference between a free bird and a caged bird and the free bird is lazy and unmotivated and doesn't take advantage of their their gifts and everything that they're given and their their privilege in some ways while the caged bird is limited by their cage but they never give up their hope for freedom and that's what drives them and although they're oppressed from being in the cage the bird still doesn't give up hope and he's determined to one day achieve it um I feel like a lot of her topics like the empowerment and the oppression she can just really tie it back to her own personal experiences and like the caged bird she really you can just tell that she really like that was just so emotional for her because being mute for five years like that I can't even imagine like the like just the isolation that she felt just like a caged bird and once she finally found birth of flower like it just it must have been such a relieving feeling knowing that 
she just wasn't alone anymore and it just it must have been really empowering for her and she just she lived through all of it and she really expressed it through her poems yeah i think that that's where another big theme for her was her own personal struggles she drew from that and i think one of some of her most powerful poems are the ones that are from her own like yeah grief and everyone has their personal struggle like in still i rise i know that's one of her most famous mm-hmm. poems she her overall message was to never give up and although you know you might be pushed down or held back like you don't give up and even though you're limited and you still get back up again and i thought that's why like her biggest themes were empowerment oppression because yes exactly in all i notice a lot in her poems that a lot of them they have a, a struggle like it like is it a racial struggle a gender struggle of being a woman uh your own personal struggle like mentally or like in a family or something in some sort of way but you're dealing with that struggle and in the end the message overall is so empowering that you you no matter your situation you can still get things that you want like you just have to work hard and it's empowering like these people beyond their own grief pain and loss like they still overcome everything and they look on the bright side and they become the best person that they can Um, I think she's most known for how I think she's most known for her empowerment throughout all her her poems that's what I see a lot the significance is like caged bird and phenomenal woman still I rise I think the overall message of all that is beyond all the grief they still they become their greatest selves and they never give up and I think that's the most powerful message that you can get from those sure it's like seven through nine so all right so some other some other incredibly influential poets that I think have some similar viewpoints of her is one specifically excuse my pronunciation if I completely destroy this but Audre Lorde she was a feminist a librarian and a womanist of civil rights activist uh she dedicated her whole life to confronting injustice, the racial prejudice and sexism and homophobia throughout her time period. Um, She got her start through poetry, through the readings, and she often, I think she described herself as that's how she would speak, that was her way of language. She, She used to talk to people using poetry, like she would quote poetry throughout her conversations and she felt such a deep connection to poetry that's why I think she had that's why she communicated through it um she and I quote I have a duty to speak the truth as I see it and to show show not just my triumphs not just the things that felt good but the pain the intense often unimagining pain and I that was what she talked about when discussing her poems and why she talked about the things she did because she confronted the things that were so incorrect with society, the judgment throughout it, where people were homophobic, they were sexist towards women and racist, and she called all that out into the, into public. And I think some of that is still prevalent today, especially with the Black Lives Matter movement, calling racial 
injustice into question. She actually, one of her poems, Power, she discusses um, a police officer shooting a 10-year-old black child, and he was acquitted, and he received no punishment. And I think that's still a problem today. Yeah, definitely. And so um, Maya Angelou, she actually, going back to just the racial thing, she was the first female black director and she was actually awarded the National Medal of Arts by President Bill Clinton in 2000. And then again in 2010, she was awarded the Presidential Medal of Freedom by Barack Obama. And she was awarded 50 honorary degrees before her death. And she was known for her seven autobiographical books, which just, they really just talk about the struggle in her life and another poet that just that was around that time was Elizabeth Alexander and she just um, she was an American poet an essayist a playwright and a president of the Andrew Mellon Foundation since 2018 she was a press a professor for 15 years at Yale University and she taught poetry and chaired the African-American Studies Department and I think that they just both really expressed their express their just struggle and oppression with their racial and just gender and everything. I think both of them were influenced by her, especially because of the time period. They discussed gender inequality, uh, racism, and I think Maya Angelou was one of the biggest voices of those oppression at the time, and I think that's why these people were influenced by her through her style of discussing the personal struggle and gender struggle throughout the world. So the poem we decided to read and analyze was Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. So first we're going to read through it and then discuss our thoughts. Pretty women wonder where my secret lies. I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size. But when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say, it's in the reach of my arms, the span of my hips, the stride of my step, the curl of my lips. I'm a woman phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to a man, that fellows stand or fall down on their knees. Then they swarm around me, a hive of honeybees. I say, it's the fire in my eyes and the flash of my teeth, the swing in my waist and the joy in my feet. I am a woman phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me. They try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. When I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say, it's in the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breasts, the grace of my style. I am a woman phenomenally, phenomenal woman, that's me. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, I, it ought to make you proud. I say, it's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, the need for my care. Because I am a woman phenomenally, phenomenal woman, that's me. Alright, so at first, um, I noticed that there was a little bit of rhyming, which I thought was cool, but it doesn't stay consistent throughout it. I noticed it in the first stanza specifically, so I thought the poem was a free verse poem, because it does have a rhythmic pattern, but like I said, it's pretty, it's a loose rhythm, it's not throughout all of it. In the structure, the four stanzas, I noticed that each stanza ends in the same, um, the same, like, 
four lines of I'm a woman, phenomenally a phenomenal woman, that's me. I notice a lot of repetition throughout it. At least that's how every single stanza, the four stanzas ended. Um, and I did a little more research. There was, it was called refrain. It's where like a group of lines are repeated at an interval throughout the poem. So um, some more liter literary devices were metaphor, especially in the second stanza, um, where she says, they swarm around me, a hive of honeybees. It shows how like men are drawn to her. Um, along with, it's the fire in my eyes. I thought the fire in her eyes was discussing like her confidence and that's what she also calls her secret when she's telling these other women what, what's so different about her. Um, there was also hyperbole in the second stanza where she talks about saying, I walk into a room just as cool as you please and to a man the fellow stands or fall down on their knees. Obviously it's a bit of an exaggeration there not literary, literally falling down to their knees, but it's showing how it's supposed to exaggerate and emphasize the point that like these men are so drawn to her as soon as she walks into a room, like they just, her, her essence, like her aura that she gives off, they're so immediately drawn to her. I also thought the tone was very positive and prideful and dignity. Um, like, uh, I thought it was very feminist in a way where she's not conforming to society's normals, where she's not the typical uh, beauty queen or like fits the beauty standard, but she still is so confident that people are still drawn to her and that's where she's so confident in herself that she doesn't care about the people around her, which then draws into the theme, which I thought the overall theme, what we decided was inner beauty and self-love because you as a person and a character is what makes you phenomenal not your appearance and your attractiveness and you can't measure your inner beauty on a scale so I overall thought that was the message too uh, I thought the meaning the way I interpreted this was um, I thought of it as a woman who was confident in herself and her body and uh, these other people, like these women who are, who are known for their appearance and their beauty, don't understand why people, men, everyone around her is so drawn to her, even though her outer beauty doesn't fit society's standards. It's what she calls her secret, and she tries to explain it to them that she knows she's not the typical beauty queen, but she knows her self-worth and her significance and her, her, her self and inner beauty, and that's what shines through with her confidence. So some of the lenses that we found were the, through the feminist lens. You can see that she's just defying the normal expectations of society. And she's okay with that, with that women are expected to be pretty and perfectly soft-spoken. And um, the objects are only meant for men. But she truly defines the boundaries of this time by being the unexpected. So the through the feminist lens, she... In this time period, women are seen more as objects to men and that they don't have a voice and their significance is just to look pretty and they're just there. They're not meant, they're not meant for, they're not smart, they're not funny, they're only meant for their outer beauty. And overall, she's clearly showing that she is defying all the expectations for women as she herself is confident and even though she's not what people typically see as beautiful she knows her self-worth and what she can do and that like 
breaks the boundaries and because it breaks the boundaries especially for this time period she's it's really just such a feminist standpoint on things um another lens that we discussed was reader response um i personally interpret um poems when i'm reading i try to fill in plot plot holes to make more sense of things and i thought when i was first reading this i pictured these pretty popular girls like questioning why everyone likes this this ordinary normal girl ordinary appearance and why she's so special and i think of it as she loves who she is and that's good enough for her so it should be good enough for others and like she doesn't really care about anyone else's opinion and i kind of just made up a story to make more sense of it and draw the connections to make everything make sense of it all Catherine signing off. Um, I hope you enjoyed our poetry from analysis of Maya Angelou. I know we did. The end. <laughs>